Right, so my deadline for a feature is just a few days away and I'm really struggling to find case studies. I've been told about Cision's media request service, which helps journalists find interviews and quotes at short notice. So here goes. Cision.co.uk dash journalist hyphen services dash media hyphen requests dash. Great, this is just what I need. PR for companies, charities, leading lifestyle brands, it's all here. Ooh, it even says that if I don't have time to put the request out myself, we've all been there, right? Cision Media Requests team are on hand to help out. And hey, for a rainy day, they can even direct you to PRs in specific sectors, so no faffing around with hashtag journal requests. Content, samples, case studies, sources, I've got it all here on cision.co.uk dash journalist hyphen services dash media hyphen requests dash Consider this feature filed. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Emma Wilkinson. And I'm Lily Cantor. We're both experienced freelance journalists and in each episode, with the help of two fabulous guests, we give practical tips on key issues you face when working for yourself. This is our first episode of Series 9 and it's all about getting back to basics. Yes, we're going to cover all those topics that are essential for anyone working as a freelance journalist and focus on how we can hone our skills and give our career and work a bit of a boost. And we're going to start today by talking about going freelance in the first place. How to take that leap, what to do, what not to do. How to overcome the all-consuming feeling we have of imposter syndrome. And we've got two great guests who have taken that step fairly recently and made a success of it. Yes, I'm very excited to hear what advice they have to give. But first, we're going to talk about our highlight of the week. So mine is I sat down and did my ALCS um, inputting uh, on Monday. And um, I knew I had a load of stories from a publication from a couple of years back. And I've never been able to track that down the headlines because they removed all my bylines off the website but I got around this by going back and finding my original stories and just Googling the intros. And then I managed to find them that way. And I actually had far more than I remembered. So I put all those up. And then I remembered you could also put in photos and there's no time limit on those. So any photos that have been used in magazines. So I went and put those in. So I have fingers crossed for a very nice holiday next year. How about you, Emma? Yeah, we'll have to see what comes out of the other <laughs> side. We're all like their fingers crossed. And, you know, I've uploaded everything. Um, yeah, so my highlight this week is uh, I was a bit delayed getting started with a feature. They actually commissioned me ages ago because they commissioned two at once. And it was with a December deadline. So I'd sort of just put it on the back burner and not not been thinking about it. And it was on my list to get started for ages and ages. And then all of a sudden it's got to the point where the panic sort of set in and you're thinking, oh, I need to be really doing this now I hope this I hope I haven't left it too long but luckily I sent a load of emails and I got a ton of replies immediately from from people who are happy to be interviewed for it I was like you hadn't actually set myself too difficult a task there yes it's nice when you get your head around something that you think is going to be a lot worse than it really is (laughs) 
right. It's time to introduce this week's guests. We have Laura Cook, a UK-based freelance journalist and features writer who had worked in local news for 19 years before going freelance in 2021. She has since written for a range of titles, including The Eye, Telegraph, Metro, Business Insider and Stylist. And we also have with us Charlotte Scotland, broadcast journalist, freelance writer and podcast host for Beach Got News, covering stories in Devon and Cornwall. Charlotte went freelance in the pandemic after being made redundant, initially dabbling in some PR work. She's now been freelance for two years and does a mix of broadcast shifts and other projects. So thank you both very much for coming on today to talk about going freelance. Both Emma and I have kind of different stories um, about how and why we went freelance. Um, I certainly know from my point of view, um, I basically was working in university in quite a managerial role and I really miss journalism, but I wanted control of what I was doing and Emma was already freelance and that kind of really appealed to me and I always kind of wanted to be doing what she was doing so it was very much a lifestyle choice for me and I believe it's similar for you Emma wasn't it it was about moving back to Sheffield yeah it was geography everyone I worked for was based in London but I didn't want to live in London and I didn't know anyone as freelance but I just thought I'm gonna freelance as you do when you're young and <laughs> just think everything is easy um and that was many many years ago yeah so I think for us it was very much a case of us both jumping um, rather than being pushed into freelancing and obviously it's different for different people but I think you know th this is a good place to start really is kind of why people go freelance in the first place and what those different circumstances are so Laura could we come to you first could you tell us more about your reason for going freelance in the first place yeah sure um hi Lily hi Emma um there's two um main reasons why I decided to go freelance uh, the first was that I've got two young children and I always said that I didn't want to be doing the job I was doing once they'd started school because I wanted to be able to pick my daughter up from school uh, take her drop her off get involved with the school um, and obviously being freelance gives you the flexibility to be able to do that um, and secondly, you mentioned that I was in local newspapers for nearly 20 years. Uh, obviously, in that time, I'd seen a lot of changes, um, many not for the better, it has to be said. Um, and it just got to the point where we'd had so many staff cuts um, and so many decisions um, made that just meant that we couldn't, I didn't feel able to do my job properly. I didn't have any pride in what I was doing. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I was just not happy in my job and I um, had sort of lost that spark and I wanted wanted it back, really. That makes sense. Yeah, so another freelancer who made an active choice. Uh, I mean, Charlotte, uh, I think it was a bit different for you, but your kind of view on freelancing has perhaps changed as you've got to grips with it a bit more. Tell us about your story and why you went freelancing in the first place. Yeah, so I had to sort of pick myself back up after redundancy. It was fairly early into sort of my career, really. I wasn't sort of, ex I just sort of, I'd been in the job six months in that in that specific role. Um, and so I, the redundancy took me completely by surprise. I wasn't expecting it. Um, and it's never something that you think 
you're going to have to face when you're young either you always think it's going to be when you're older that you're going to face something like that and I kind of panicked and I thought I need to have money coming in I need to get a job and I just um took on a role as a full-time like kind of PR for this small firm and I did that for a while and I just realized that I wasn't happy it wasn't what I wanted to be doing I wanted to be doing journalism that's you know what I set out to do it's what I really enjoy um and I did then I had that conversation with my employer because we had a good relationship and I said you know look I'm I'm not happy and there's this opportunity here to go part-time with you and do part-time broadcast shifts for this local station um and they were really good about it and I went then part-time so then I that's kind of when I went self-employed so I was invoicing um sort of that renewable company that I was doing PR work for and then I'd be invoicing for my broadcast shifts as well um and I think since then I've really evolved and I've sort of taken that leap into going okay let's do this properly let's um you know pitch articles as well as doing um broadcast news shifts and I think that's something that I've been really grateful for because those news shifts give me that stability to go okay well that's steady income coming in so if my you know if my pitches aren't doing so well one week and I'm not getting many commissions at least I've got those new shifts there to to back that kind of income up um and since doing that it's 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 been really good and I'm really glad I made that decision and um yeah definitely think it's the way to go yeah I think that's really interesting and the fact that you kind of phased that so that you had you know you kept hold of the job that you were doing um and I think a lot of people do that they have a crossover don't they I certainly kind of had an exit plan where I was doing freelancing whilst doing my full-time job to kind of build up contacts then I had a maternity leave so I could do some more and then when I went back similarly I had a conversation with my boss and we worked out like a six months plan for me to exit and decrease what I was doing and I could pick up my freelance work and I think that can often yeah be a good way of doing it um and Laura just coming back to you because again talking about kind of you'd start actually kind of launching into being freelance something we get asked about a lot is kind of is there anything that needs to be in place first so were there any kind of practical things you did before you kind of actually started sort of freelancing as your main job okay um as a bit of background i um dabbled um in freelancing uh, for a couple of years previously mainly whilst i was on maternity leave and i got published in a couple of sort of um smaller magazines it's very sort of low low key stuff um didn't really have any direction with it um my second maternity leave uh, actually, I was due to go back in April 2020, but of course we we're in lockdown by then, so I went straight into furlough. Um, and uh, my company sort of kept updating us about how the situation um, was going. And then all of a sudden, they just stopped talking to me, and I had three months of radio silence. And then lockdown was coming to an end, things were opening back up again, and it just occurred to me that I might not have a job to go back to at the end of this. Um, so it then I decided that I needed to sort of actually um, step things step things up a gear um, and I enrolled on your course and um, it was the best thing that I did um, in terms of getting me started with the freelancing because although I know you know I know I can write I know I can interview I've you know I've been doing that stuff for years 
the course actually provided me with um, all the, 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 how to take it to the next stage, how to find work, where to find work, um, how to pitch um, effectively. And uh, yeah, so I would, I would, I would recommend taking a course um, like yours to anybody looking to start to start off because it just gives you everything you need to be able to take things forward. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just um, those uh, kind of practical things because you kind of day one of freelancing, you can just sort of sit there and go, right, what now? It feels a bit too big, I suppose, maybe, mm. or a bit too unmanageable. Or as I found when I started, even though I had lots of contacts and I was working in a very niche area, I couldn't imagine what the freelancing was going to look like or where the work was going to come from. So kind of getting building blocks in in place getting some structures in place can actually uh, be quite useful um i mean charlotte i don't know if there's ever a good time to go freelance sometimes you're pushed sometimes you make that choice but ultimately you do kind of have to leap talk us about through about weighing up those pros and cons you know the point at which you felt yes i can do this i can i can make a living from this I think for me, the pandemic kind of highlighted sort of dissatisfaction in many areas. My career was just one of them. I knew I wasn't happy and I knew that I had, I could do something about it. And I thought, you know, there's a possibility, you know, there's no stability here that nobody knows what's going to happen with jobs in terms of the pandemic. Why the hell not try it? Why, why not try and contact, um, sort of other local stations or editors and say, hey, um, can I do new shifts for you? And um, this is sort of my demo, this is my portfolio. Um, and, you know, thankfully it, it worked out. I think it's, it's a really tough one because I often get, I think particularly when I started, I was really reluctant to let go of that sort of full-time PR work, even though I knew that it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I was like, well, it's steady income. And I think we've all got bills to pay. It's really, it's a really tough one to say, okay, let's let go of that and actually try and make this work. Um, and I think you've just got to have the confidence in yourself and the belief that you are good at what you do, you can do it um, and actually just do it. I mean, I think it's definitely helpful if you have a security blanket. So if you have those sort of steady new shifts, at least in the beginning, or if you've got savings behind you just to cushion you, you know, whilst you start out, definitely. But ultimately, it's a leap of faith either way, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's having that starting point. So like you say, either having savings or... Um, you know you at least got work for a month or a few months or whatever it might be I know when I did it we actually got a lodger so that we we knew that we had a regular income coming from the lodger and then I worked out a minimum of what I needed to earn to just cover the bills and then anything on top of that was a bonus and then I kept kind of increasing that a minimum that I wanted to earn each month and very very quickly I, I was kind of earn, exceeding that that target but I think you're right, it's sort of having realistic expectations from the beginning and not thinking I'm going to be earning the same as my salary kind of straight away. It, it can take time to build that up. And I guess part of all this is also kind of building your confidence. And Laura, I'm just wondering kind of when when you started to go freelance, I, I know you said you sort of dabbled in it before, but when you decided to kind of write, this is what I'm doing, 
kind of what was it like sending off those kind of first pitches and and thinking right I am a freelance journalist now did did you have any kind of feelings of imposter syndrome at all um <clears throat> yes I do um I find even now I feel sort of fine waiting back it, it's very I find it I feel quite nervy waiting to hear back um from pitches um and I hate the the, the ghosting um which I know happens to everybody, but it really does. I'd prefer a flat no to to, to the ghosting because the ghosting, you just end up, um, you just, you go over and over in your head, what's wrong? Um, and then it just feeds into that, um, that feeling that you're not good enough. Um, and then, you know, I do get imposter syndrome now and again. Um, and the way I kind of combat the feelings of not feeling good enough and the imposter syndrome is I just revisit um, work that I've um, that I've done that I've been particularly proud of. I just read through it and it just reminds me that I, I can do it. I, you know, I should, uh, you know, I've got every right to be where I am. Um, and um, yeah, and again, just revisit pitches that have gone right, uh, revisit emails that have contained positive feedback from editors so I don't know if that's answered your question or whether I've just digressed a bit I think one thing that Lily and I have always said is it's really important to remember when things are going right because it's so easy to just focus on the things that aren't happening or the emails that didn't get answered and you can just completely forget that last week you wrote two features or whatever because you've moved on moved on to the next thing and there is no doubt about it you have to be resilient as a freelancer you just have to be um you have to kind of just be aware that you know we're all in the same boat we all have times when um you know pitches go unanswered including one that I was sending out over summer to a load of nationals that nobody was interested in and I ended up publishing it with a specialist magazine and now I'm those same newspapers that were ignoring me are covering it so you know you just have to remember that it's there are so many reasons why your pitch can get ignored neglected just miss the boat that day um I mean Charlotte what are your tips how have you managed because you're doing slightly different there's some you're doing lots of different projects so overall kind of how have you managed to stay positive keep going when it feels like you're having one of those days where it's not working out as you wanted I definitely agree with you it's really hard not to take things personally isn't it when it's just you sat at your computer um but I think for me I'm a bit of an overthinker so if I get an email back that's a no or you know if there's that ghosting and you've done your follow-up emails I think I could easily spiral so I have to kind of implement and sort of take some time away from my computer and just get out of my head so even if it's like a five minute walk or like putting the washing out that you know those chores that you want to get done um and, you know, sometimes if I'm really in my head, I'll read a book for a bit or I'll do a home hit workout because it kind of resets me and it takes away that sort of bitter taste you can get from a no or, or the ghosting after you've sent a pitch that you really believe in. And um, I kind of come back and I reset myself and I remind myself why I'm doing this. Um, and actually that I do believe in my pitch. And just because that one editor said no doesn't mean that there's not a home for it elsewhere. There's so many different reasons why editors say no um, and 
it's not always your in fact I think really it's your fault you know it's not something you've done and sometimes it's not even because you've done a bad pitch you've just got to find a new home and, and rework it and even if you come back to your computer and you say I can still I can't go to that pitch now you can go back to it in a week or in a couple of days when you kind of reset yourself yeah and I think sometimes it can help as well to have like a uh kind of publication a and publication b i certainly do this i'll pitch it somewhere and if they say no i'll pitch it somewhere else and that's happened to me like just last week um i sent it to one organization and they said no and then the next one said yes so you know sometimes you kind of have to think there may be several options here let's just go through them one by one um but i like that idea as well of kind of just being able to step away and kind of reset i think that's really important um and kind of kind of linked to that really I guess is it's it's all about balance and kind of I like to talk about a life work balance rather than a work-life balance and Laura you've sort of said that you wanted much more flexibility in the way that you worked um and freelancing gave you that opportunity but I just wonder how do you actually kind of get that balance right do you ever find that you've kind of got too much work on or you find it difficult to say no there's been a couple of times when I've felt like I might have a bit too much work on um but I've managed to um just to rearrange a few things and call a bit of extra childcare in and I've managed to to deal with those and, and get everything done um there's only been one um occasion where I've had to turn work down that was over the summer I was due to provide some holiday cover um, for an online um, sort of specialist uh, publication and in between the interview and me saying yes um, a copywriting client that I've had right since the beginning who's been um, still my biggest um, source of income came to me with a load of extra work that they needed done quickly so I, I had to make the decision to turn the holiday cover down and that's the only time that I've actually had to 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 turn any work down. But like I said, I've come to a couple. There's been a couple of times when it's felt um, quite close to what I could realistically ma- yeah, manage. Yeah, you can't. It's just really hard, isn't it, to judge that, that how sense. long things are going to take. You get kind of surprise things that come in, and you just think, you know, you're having to think in the moment. Do what? Can I do this? Uh, can I not do this? Um. Charlotte, in terms of workload, because you've got lots of different projects going on, has there been some learning curve there in how to juggle it, juggle it all? Yes, definitely. Um, I think definitely the beginning, I sort of prioritised new shifts because I knew that was regular income. Um, but I knew that I wanted that variety. I still wanted to write as well as do those new shifts for radio. And um, I think only recently I've served kind of got that balance right where I'm sort of doing a few shifts for radio and then pitching and working on my writing projects because I found that otherwise that sort of life work balance was through you know had gone through the window because I was up all night trying to do my writing when I was you know doing those new shifts in the day so it's definitely been a kind of learning curve and I think that just comes with time um I think when it comes to sort of learning to say no that's definitely a journey because I think that's difficult isn't it because it's 
it's money coming through the door and you think, oh, I need to say yes to this all the time. And I recently um, had to say no to um, a company that I've done copywriting for before, um, uh, well, quite a couple of years ago, but they reached out to me again and um, they asked if I could take on this project. And I proposed, you know, how much it was going to cost. And they came back and said they actually couldn't, you know, meet that. That was out of their budget. And I, I really enjoyed working with them last time and I really wanted to help. I just kind of, you know, it wasn't necessarily about the, the project itself. I just felt like I wanted to help them with their project. And um, I really had to have a word with myself and say, actually, I've got a lot on my plate right now. I had my new shifts. I had a really big um, writing commission that I was working on that was taking a bit longer than usual for, you know, interviews weren't coming in as quickly as I wanted them to. Um, and I just realised that, it would be tough, like my hours would have to extend. Um, the project didn't excite me enough. Um, and actually, you know, I know it's sometimes it seems like a luxury to do things that excite you and to work on projects that excite you. But for a lot of people, that's why you have this variety, because you choose the work that you do. And I think there's a lot to be said for mental well-being, because yes, money is important to live, but actually you want to have a good quality of life. And if you're not working on projects that you want to, or you're stressing yourself out because you've got a, a gazillion um, projects on the go, um, mentally you're going to burn out and it's you're, you're going to start falling out of love with what you're doing. And that's not why you started it in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, that that's so true. And I think it's really important to keep hold of that. And I think we've all been guilty of that, of just kind of saying yes to everything, particularly in the beginning. And then it's actually really satisfying to turn around and say no, and actually be in a position where you can do that. And I've done that. I was doing regular shift work and it was becoming really stressful. And the people I was working with weren't particularly great to work with and I just thought what am I doing like just stop doing it um so I think that's really important and we have actually got an episode on saying no um so we'll put a link to that in our in our show notes but something else I wanted to pick up there was you talking about you had like lots of different things on the go and I'm just wondering from a practical point of view um what you both do in terms of sort of organizing your your workflow and kind of are there any tools that you use in order to, to know what you're meant to be doing at what time and what your deadlines are? Um, Laura, kind of what, how do you get yourself organized? Uh, it's very um, low tech. It's, I have, um, basically I just have uh, two spreadsheets, um, one monitoring my pitches that have gone out, one monitoring um, my, my, my incomings. Um, and then apart from that, I just write everything down um, I just I, I'm a slave to lists so I've just got lists or to-do lists all over the place um, and uh, yeah that's it really nothing more high-tech than a couple of spreadsheets and a notebook I sometimes think that's all you need like I love my I love just sitting down at the start of every day and writing a list in a notepad of what I have to do every day like you know I've tried other mm. systems I've had a bash at Trello and all kinds of things and I just don't pay attention to it I need to just sit it sit and write it down on a on a piece of on a piece of paper um I mean coming to you Charlotte are there any um kind of practical tips that you would give for someone thinking about going freelance now based on what you've learned perhaps things that you wish you'd had in place from the start or things that you wish you'd done from the start 
Um, similarly to Lily, when you mentioned earlier about how you'd lost work that you'd done because they'd taken your byline off it. Um, when it came to sort of freelancing, you know how important it is to have a portfolio. I couldn't find these articles that I'd, you know, written in past jobs um, because they just weren't there anymore. Um, and I was like, well, I can do this job, but I suddenly don't have a portfolio that's good enough to say that I can do it because, you know, I haven't saved those articles or I haven't saved um, that work that I was doing. So I, my top tip is to, even if you're not even sure that you're going to go freelancing full time, is just save those articles. And if you are dabbling, um, make sure you get a PDF because they can take them down offline. And so having a portfolio makes the job of pitching cold so much easier because you can, you know, show your work as an example. That's a really brilliant tip. And yeah, I think you just kind of assume that everything is going to exist on the internet forever. And we've become quite yeah reliant on that. I mean, I still remember my first job I used to every week cut out every single story in the local paper and I've got a folder like that thick with thousands of stories in it it's no use to anyone now I suppose I could scan them in um but I used to take in like a physical cuttings book um so I think yeah it's really important to have like a digital version of your cuttings um and branding is something Emma and I go on about all the time I mean Laura what did you do when you started? Did you just sort of set up a website and did you kind of redo your social media profiles? What did you do around all of that? Okay, um, I do have a website. It's it's not the most amazing website, but I have had work um, come through from people who have contacted me for the website. So it's it's uh, from my 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 point of view, it's been worthwhile. Um, I also have a uh, Facebook page that I set up when I started freelancing um, again it's not it, it's it's there's not a lot going on there I haven't got a great deal of followers but I did have somebody contact me uh, through Facebook Messenger to my professional page um, and that led to ongoing work with um, a, a, a company that not only pay well but pay promptly so again that's made the whole thing worth worthwhile i've been on twitter for a number of years but to be honest i don't i don't tweet a lot now i use it more for finding um kind of uh, call out for pitches and looking up ed uh, details of um, commissioning editors that kind of thing um and then i started insta uh, i went on instagram when i started freelancing um i think mainly just to be nosy and see what everybody else was doing yeah i mean i think um it can people can overcomplicate the branding thing whereas actually it's about having a presence and a consistent presence and just that an editor who doesn't know you before can find you check you are who you say you are and that you have written these articles and that that job is easy and that you look professional and that's kind of job done and um, we are sort of coming to the end now but I one thing that we have to ask you about because this is, this is the thing that everybody panics about when they go freelance is doing your taxes managing the finance bit of it because you have to suddenly start thinking of yourself like a business and that can be quite daunting um Charlotte did that tell us how that's gone for you um and how you found kind of keeping track and managing 
that side of things uh, and knowing kind of what you're supposed to be doing in terms of, of tax, et cetera? Um, tax, I, I hate this because I'm not a numbers girl by any means. I don't know if any freelance writer really is. Um, so tax definitely is daunting. Um, and it was one of the things that, that originally was kind of putting me off or letting me drag my feet into making the freelance decision in the first place. But I think you've just got to start simple. I mean, you're not going to have, you know, lots of money coming in in the beginning anyway. So you can just have a really simple spreadsheet that tracks that. If you keep all your invoices, um, sort of, I have a folder. So for the regular clients, all of my invoices will go into that folder. So it's really easy for me to see at the end of the tax year who, you know, who I've invoiced and how many invoices I've got. And then I literally just put it all into a spreadsheet. And I would say there's loads of advice out there. So if you if you are unsure and you're starting out, reach out to networks and, you know, even freelancing for journalists and groups on Facebook, you know, these are the resources that are out there to support you and actually use them. You know, that's why everybody else is in the same boat. So don't be afraid to ask for, for help and advice. And Laura, what about you when it when it came to kind of putting enough money aside for tax? Did you set up a kind of system for that? And how did you keep track of how much you might need? Um, oh, I'm not sure. I have to be honest. Um, uh, like Charlotte, I'm I'm not good with figures at all. Um, and I, God, this sounds this is going to sound really awful. Um, but my husband on the other hand is is great with figures and data and all that sort of thing so he's 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 really good at making sure that enough is um put aside and um like i said although i keep track of what's coming in and i know i'm earning enough he's better on the side of you know right you're going to need to put this much aside and hold on to that so i know it sounds, i know it sounds really awful um but my husband deals with that i know that sounds really terrible but i i've just I, I think if I just tried to do it on my own, I'd be in trouble very quickly. I mean, you've got to find the system that works for you, right? Because, you know, you, you've got to be able to track it. You've got to be able to, you've got to understand kind of what you've got coming in, what you've got going out, what your expenses are. And I just do it with a spreadsheet. I think that people think you need like fancy accounting software or um, there's going to be all these like loopholes that you didn't know about and it's all really uh kind of terrifying when I first started actually I didn't use an accountant I did uh just did my self return um but I did sit down with 20 minutes with a friendly accountant who just basically talked me through what I needed to put on different bits of the form because I think he felt sorry for me because I was kind of so lost and then actually after that that was all I needed and you can get that same kind of information just from kind of chatting to experienced freelancers in those networks uh, as Charlotte mentioned I think whatever tactic you take whatever help you get you know from if you've got a husband who's like super accountant or you know you choose to have an accountant or you choose to do it yourself as long as you're not burying your head in sand and trying and just thinking I'll deal with that two years down the line and then realizing you've not got enough to pay your first tax bill um, you've just got to make sure that you are keeping track. Yeah, I think, um, like you say, with all of this, it's just about having a system, a system that works for you and just putting money aside. And yeah, just 
not forgetting that you're going to have a tax bill basically and you are going to have to to pay it at some point um, once you're earning over the threshold okay fantastic well um i think we're going to round up now but what we'd like to do is to ask you both for your one bit of takeaway advice from today's chat so out of everything we've kind of been talking about what kind of one thing do you kind of think is is the best piece of advice so laura if i come to you first i like for me the the the, your course made all the difference and i think um maybe finding a, a course that works for you or attending um some online training uh for example, through freelancing for journalists or general resources, um, it gave me some direction. And I think that, um, that's, that that's that been incredibly helpful to me. I think that would be helpful for other people looking to start out, but not really sure how to how to go about things. Yeah, we always say that people learn in different ways. So you need to sit down and think, you know, do I need to go to a few webinars? Do I need to do a course? Am I OK with kind of pitching and that side of things but actually I need some help on the business side and just you know have a think about what might suit you Charlotte same question to you what would be the sort of your top tip you would take away from today's episode I think don't be afraid to start um pitching if you're thinking about going freelance you can do it in your spare time at least to begin with just to build your confidence up so if you've got that regular um, job or that full-time job you can do it in your spare time or take a Saturday morning just to to send it out just to build that confidence up and start growing your portfolio now check to see if those articles are available to you um, because it's a lot easier to then generate it you know or find it again if you're in a job you can be like hold on that came offline last year I need to, to get hold of it somehow just save your articles um, and put it together in a portfolio before you go freelance. Fantastic. Okay, as a way of sharing the freelance love, we just want to finish off now by asking both of you, who is a freelance journalist who has caught your eye recently, perhaps someone who's done a really good piece of work or who you just admire? So, Laura, who's your freelance shout out? Okay, that's a lady called uh, Isabella Chapirska. Um, She actually worked in um the same local newspaper group as as me um in a different office different town different patch we actually left to go freelance at around the same time and um she's actually been a a huge support to me we talk regularly on twitter uh compare um you know shared triumphs and uh frustrations and compare notes on editors and rates and that kind of thing and um you know she's written for places like the eye paper and metro and vice and she recently did a really good piece um, for Open Democracy about how asylum seekers are managing um, during the cost of living crisis. And it was a great read and I would really recommend that to um, recommended reading. Fantastic. We'll put that link in our show notes. Thanks so much, Laura. And it's nice to have that freelance buddy, isn't it, as well, who you can kind of just uh, compare, share, uh, moan at. Um, and yeah, can support you along the way. So yeah, Charlotte, same question to you. Who would who would you uh, recommend as your freelancer? I feel like I have too many, <laughs> but it's difficult to choose one. Um, 
I, can I choose two? I want to say um, I recently attended a webinar that Latifa John Baptiste did, and she just writes because she really enjoys it. And I just found that really inspiring. She's, she's actually a really lovely writer. I like to um, read things that um, kind of bring, you know, bring me joy or easier to read. And she's got a really lovely tone to her pieces. But also I recently um bought Sean Mead's Williams book The Pajama Myth which I think is a brilliant fantastic book that anyone considering going freelance should read um because even if you or even if you've been doing it a while I think it just cements that what you're doing right you know <laughs> that everybody makes mistakes um so yeah definitely recommend that book yes two great recommendations there uh Latifa was on um an episode of the podcast um that we did a little while back i think it was might have been the um saying no episode actually that we mentioned earlier um and sean's another great um shout out as well thank you very much for that okay brilliant well i think it's time to bring this episode to a close i think we've learned a lot here and some great tips and i, I hope our listeners have found it useful especially if you're thinking about taping taking that leap into journalism freelance style absolutely um if as part of that or just generally you want to make more connections come and join our freelancing for journalists facebook community we have more than five thousand members on there now if you have any questions they can definitely answer them for you yes and we're also on twitter well we keep saying this but who knows how long twitter's gonna last but uh we are at Freelancing4 and you can also follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Jerno. And we want to say thanks to our research assistant, Helen Quinn, and our producer, Maddie Drury. And we will be back again next week. But goodbye for now. Bye. Bye.